are listening to The Ladies Room. I am Iris St. Moran. And I'm Jennifer Sanders. So by day, we are television news anchors at competing stations. But in real life, we are the best of friends. All right. So tell our listeners why we chose The Ladies Room. Well, it's a place where you get yourself together, maybe fix your hair and makeup, tell a secret. Ladies know what I mean. Girl, you definitely know I know what you mean. So you're going to hear phenomenal stories from phenomenal women across the world who are doing phenomenal things. And our goal is to provide inspiration and information. You're on air in the ladies room. Welcome to the ladies room. We have the capital T, capital H, capital E, Susan Taylor with us. Thank you so much for your time. And Iris, I want to tell you a story. So when you were in the event, you were so engaging. You loved on everyone. And I feel like everyone left there thinking that they made a new friend in you. Well, you know, as you saw me walking around the room yes. before I spoke, and I, as I said, I do that, so, I, so I'm comfortable. Because yeah. you get up and you're speaking to a room full of people and they're looking up at you. But I feel if I walk the room and just say hello, good morning, I'm your speaker, obviously a lot of women there don't know me, and the sisters in the room do, and some others. So that it, it just makes me feel comfortable, I think it makes them feel comfortable. And sets a tone, mm-hmm. you know? Definitely. So we'll start with your journey. We'll kind of start from the beginning. Uh, one thing that you said that stuck out to me was you started a cosmetics line, and that led you to Essence. Talk to me about how you became involved in Essence and how you literally became a role model for us. Yes. Reading the magazine every single month, waiting by the mailbox for it to come. Well, you know, I never had my eye on the editor-in-chief's um, chair because I... I hadn't gone to college, and as I said, I was following this path, wanting to be an actor, had never been in a play, wasn't great at it, and I said, you know, I'm going to follow my passion, and my passion was really cosmetics and trying to figure out uh, how we could create shades for us that would marry well with our skin, and so I was married, and I was pregnant, actually, when I went to beauty school. I created this wonderful custom blended makeup company, so you came into the face place, and I would get my pigments out and match your skin tone. Mm. And Essence heard about it, and that's how I came to the attention of the Essence editors. So, you know, when you're 20, what was I then? 23. You believe in yourself. 24. And uh, Ida Lewis was the editor-in-chief. She went in for an interview. I had no idea what a beauty editor did. But I said, let me me step in here looking like one. You know, so I got all fancied up. And I said to her, if you will give me an opportunity, I'm a cosmetologist. If you give me an opportunity, I will deliver the best beauty pages possible. Now, she believed in me because I believed in me. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what that really meant. But there were people there who graduated from college, who knew how to write, and they really coached me and helped me. And so the beauty editor's position worked well. And then, when Ida left and Marsha Gillespie stepped up, she expanded my role to fashion and beauty. So then I became fashion and beauty editor, and I did both of those for 10 years. And then I became editor-in-chief of the magazine. Now, she gave you the opportunity, but you did the work. Just talk about, because I know, you know, people may look at your career, or they may hear your story and, and say, I want that, but there has to be some work involved and just, you know, you had the passion and the dream, but you had, you know. That's the word, though, passion. Mm-hmm. You cannot succeed at and be healthy doing what you're not passionate about. You know, I never focused on I want to make a lot of money. It was how do I serve? I think it's, it's dual. You have to make sure that what you want to give is also needed. 
So cosmetics needed. Let me do that. Did it well. And then when it came to trying to be the beauty editor of Essence, well, there was no one else speaking, no other magazine speaking to us about our grooming needs and our wellness needs. I said, let me take that on and do my research and really deliver something phenomenal. So it was, I was passionate about it. And it was really that first wave of healthy eating, microbiotic diets we were on. This is 1970 and 71. Delve into, you know, Essence really... For me, and I think for many young girls of color, it was a movement, and that's where we look to to get our inspiration, to be uplifted. For you, how did you come to Essence and really kind of mold it into the the magazine that it is today, and really the movement that it is today with the Essence Fest and, and different things like that? You know, I can't say that I had a vision for what it could be. I know that when I became editor-in-chief of the magazine, as I said, I hadn't gone to college. But you know who I was? I was more the reader than the editors were. Because all of them had graduated from school. Some had master's degrees. My marriage had broken up. I was a single mother, wrestling with low income (laughs) from Essence, you know, and trying to move it forward. So, I mean, I feel like I get a lot of credit for the success of Essence, but the credit really I think it belongs to the women who I listened to and the editors who I worked with. I I learned how to build a high-performance team. And what I don't understand is how people who are building anything disrespect the people who report to them, Mm. treat them unfairly, want all the credit for themselves, never shine the light on anybody else, take their ideas, make them their own. And what I really tried to do, and this is what I do today with the National Affairs Mentoring Movement, is honor the people who also do the work. You know, I know what I do well. I am a bold, visionary leader, creative thinker, but I'm not an infrastructure builder. You don't want me building the infrastructure. <laughs> you know, I'm not the systems person, mm-hmm. but I have the wonderful idea about what it is the people need. Now it's children, then it was black women. How do we shine the light and help us to see ourselves being on college campuses and you know, speaking to black-skinned women and say, you're beautiful, and having them turn around and look behind them, huh? Oh, my mother told me I was too dark. Mm-hmm. And my mother told me that my nose was too broad. My mother told me that my behind was too big, my lips were too thick. And I'm like, oh, we have work to do. So it was an opportunity now to create a stage that would show the breadth of black beauty from Marguerite Razme, a Haitian sister with blue eyes and her little blonde hair, you know, light, light skin, to the sister who's on one of my favorite covers, uh, Ava. Mm. And her hair was wild and fabulous, and she was as black as the microphone in front of me. You know, gorgeous. Now, let me tell you about how unwell some of us are. Why'd you put her? on the cover. This is because we've been taught to hate ourselves. Mm-hmm. We've been taught to hate our color, our hair, our lips, everything that hark, harks back to our Africanness. But the Black Power Movement came along, and Essence came out of the Black Power Movement. And so there was this receptivity to everything that was the essence mm-hmm. of blackness. You know, so We came along at the right time. So you were here to talk about mentoring and um, that whole movement. Before we get to that, what, um, how did you decide to leave? You have a very successful career and move on. I know some women struggle with, you know, I want to pursue 
you know, going, ha- taking my career in a different direction. How did you decide that this it was time to leave and, you know, start this new venture? I wasn't thinking about taking my career in another direction. I've been at Essence 37 years. And sometimes we elders don't know when to step aside. You mm-hmm. see it in ministry. You see it in some of our organizations, like the pastor, you're going to die in the pulpit. What about the associate and the assistant pastors mm-hmm. who are young and fluffy and really can bring new parishioners and have things to say? And, you know, I just said, if I stay in this position, the young women who have come through here and who are here waiting and I know hoping will never have an opportunity. I had done it long enough. I had enough. I have enough. And seeing the critical need in our community, we had started Essence Cares, and it became the Essence, uh, it became National Cares Mentoring Movement because I couldn't let people around the country use the name Essence. And I just said, you know, my community needs me. The editor's at Essence, and Essence doesn't. Everything I know, I learned there. Mm -hmm. And in my father's store in Harlem. Let me give myself to my people. And so that was my, my impetus for stepping away. And can we just now talk about the National Cares Mentoring Movement? There's such a powerful video out of celebrities just talking about the need for that, especially in communities of color. We need to see people who look like us achieving greatness. And I think that through this movement, that's what we're getting. Yeah, and that's our responsibility. You know, we are able, stable most days, not every day, <laughs> but we're able. We're able, and what we have to do is widen the lens on what we can do and what our responsibilities are. Yeah, we're responsibility for our we're responsible for our wellness. That's like number one. But what we say at CARES and I say it to the team all the time, it's you first. And then it's family and then it's community. And if you really just have those three buckets, you that may mean education, it may mean your health, it may mean a whole host of things. I gotta get my relationship right or then family. What are my responsibilities if you're lucky enough to still have your parents, my children, even the relationship there, people around you who maybe need you, the auntie who was so kind to you when you were a little girl or boy, and you want to go back and make sure she will call her every day. And then it's community. You know, we are here and we are able because of community sacrifice. If we don't know our history, then we don't know what our arrival cost. Mm. This arrival? Look. I am so glad to be on this leg of the journey. I'm glad that it's not like, you know, 1830 or even 1940 mm-hmm. when this country was segregated and black people were subjected mm-hmm. to brutality at any turn, at any turn, you know? So I think when we fill our hearts with gratitude and we stop whining and complaining about this is not working and I don't have this and I wish that I when we stop doing that, then we see, oh my God, look at all the blessings. I have hands that can feel. I have a heart that beats without me having to tell it to do so. I have feet that can move me. What a blessing. So it's looking at life differently and seeing that we do have enough to take care of ourselves, to give to our families, and to rebuild our community. That's what we have to do. We have to rebuild the village. And in order to do that, We've got to take off of our overflowing platters all of that stuff that is unessential. How have you seen um, mentors change the lives of, of youth in, in the community since starting? Well, I'll tell you, the one-to-one mentoring is real. And that's what we do. We 
recruit mentors, we train them, and then we deploy them to where they're needed, big brothers, big sisters, boys and girls clubs, more and more into juvenile detention facilities, which I love. And I say that it's, it's black women. We turn no mentor away, we turn no child away. But our focus is on black children, and wherever you have poor black children, you're gonna find Latinos in there. Maybe a sprinkling of Asians and a sprinkling of whites. But our focus is black children without apology. That's what our curriculum is directed to. That's who our curriculum is directed to. And everybody benefits from it. We turn our mentor away. You know, yeah, we're looking for black mentors because our children need to see us. They, know, they need to know that a community of black people who are not strapped or trapped in poverty care about them. And we do that by showing up and saying, we're going to be here. We love you. We care for you. We have a contract with you. Mm. You have to put your behind in the chair. You've got to listen. You've got to learn how to still yourself. You've got to challenge yourself to make the best choices every day. No judgment here. Mm. You fall off the path, we get back on. Mm. We're right here to back you up. So the National Cares Mentoring Movement is really recruiting mentors for one-to-one. -one. The programs we're building, group mentoring. Because the crisis is so huge. Mm -hmm. If there are 3 million young people being mentored and about 15 million waiting, group mentoring is the answer. In the one-to-one -one model, we could never recruit 15 million mentors, train them, uh, manage them, those relationships, and deploy them and stay with our partners. Because we're not doing the one-to-one. -one. What we are doing is the group mentoring, and we do that in schools. The idea is whole school turnaround. That's what we're hoping to do here you know, with a school here that needs us to bring them out of here. Definitely. And there are a lot of schools that, that need you, for sure. So we're talking about young people and just the relationship with young people, the mentoring relationship, which is so important. I'm going to let Iris ask her question that she asks every single guest, which I think is just so important uh, because it, it gives us some gems of wisdom that we can all employ in our life. What advice would you give your younger self? Ah. You know, what I would say to the young Susan Taylor is focus more on your education and less on the boys. Focus more on your daughter and less on the relationship that you're hungering for. Uh, go back to school earlier. I did, but I was already editor-in-chief of the magazine and probably in my 40s when I went to college for the first time, you know? Even though, you know, when you go back to school and you're older, you know exactly what you want. Mm -hmm. Go to school for a degree. I want to learn. I want to know more about writing, our history, you know, the things that I needed to know. That's what I took. And then a professor said to me, you know, you can really graduate from here and get a degree. Oh, really? I can? Yeah, look what you, what you have lined up. You know, and I would say to my younger self that you're enough. You're more than enough. Not just enough, but more than enough, you know? And when you learn to really love yourself, what you're doing is you're teaching other people how to love you. Mm -hmm. And nobody's going to love you more than you love you. That's right. And we don't need other people's... People's affirmation is good. Mm -hmm. We all like to be affirmed. But, you know, we women, we don't receive affirmation well. Somebody says they like your dress and you say it only costs five dollars. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you did, you did right. a great job today. <laughs> oh, you did yeah. a great job. No, 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 you were the yeah. good one. You know? <laughs> so learn how to accept compliments and also criticism. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a hard, it's been a hard one for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. To learn how to accept uh, what, what, what kind of criticism. Fair, not jealousy, mm -hmm. 
but fair criticism. You you do better, Susan, if you so and so. You know, I would say to my younger self, get rid of all the people in your life who really, not that they're not going anywhere, and you need to. I'm not looking for successful people. I'm looking for people who are succeeding in managing their lives well and doing what they have their eyes set on well. And people who you can trust. Mm-hmm, you know, yes. let me tell you about what's going on here that I don't really want people to know. Mm-hmm. I know that they're not going to say anything to people. I and mean, there are a few people like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think finally I would say that you can't have ten best friends. You know, if you, you, you don't have the capacity, Susan, to manage relationships at that level with ten people. It's just not possible. If you have one or two people who you can trust and who you know have your back, and you're there for that person no matter what, and they're there for you no matter what, you are blessed, mm-hmm. you know? And there are concentric circles of friendship. So these are, this is my, these are my aces right here, and then you have the other ones, and then the larger concentric circle that you go to for other stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about art stuff. There are just a few people who you really want and who you know you can trust. Those are the things that we don't know mm-hmm. when we're really young. Definitely. I think that everyone needs a Miss Susan Taylor yes. in their life. <laughs> I mean, I I felt like I was in life class in there and now I'm here and your wisdom is just so important, especially for young women like us of color to excel in our careers and in this journey called life. So thank you so yeah. and so your warmth. Much. Like I I yes. feel like I've known you <laughs> forever, you know. Yes. This is the engaging yes. yes part of your personality. So thank you for being you. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you. It's, you know, that's, that's all you need to be. Mm-hmm. If we could only believe that and be that. Right. You know, saying that you, having other people's affirmation is good, but it's you affirming yourself. Your love is the love you need. And there, no matter how wonderful you are, there are people who want to talk about you anyway. Mm-hmm. So just like, you know, forget about them. You need to love you. And when they don't, that's their business. And what they think about you is their business. It's none of yours. Just keep going and don't let wounding words hurt your heart. But look for any truth in them. Mm-hmm. That's the hard part. Yeah. You make everybody else wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marriage didn't work because he. Mm-hmm. My mother did. Mama's blamed for everything. You know, and all the, the bosses, they're all wrong. Okay, let me see what I, what, what have you come to teach me? Mm-hmm. You know, that I can work somewhere else? That I can sit down with somebody who may be my supervisor and say, I did this once. You know, the rest of the editors don't have the courage to say this to you, but I want to say it to you. But when you speak like this to us, it hurts, Mm. and it's wounding, and then people have to go around the corner to the little bar and have a drink, or they have to call their mamas or their boyfriends, and and productivity slows. But people don't like it when you shout and when you curse and when you do this, that, and the other thing. So I'm saying this to you in love. We have to find our voices as women and bring our truth. You know, rather than just suffer in silence and think we have, there's no place that's painful that we have to be locked into. And we have to know that those places of grace and fluidity and joy are not permanent. Mm-hmm. Life is fluid, always changing. Mm-hmm. We have to be in the flow mm-hmm. and ready for the change. <laughs> thank you so Susan much. Susan Taylor, thank you. Let's keep the conversation going. Connect with us on social media using the handle on air TLR. And of course, if there's a lady you'd like us to interview, just let us know. We'll chat again soon in the, the ladies room. room.